The scripture reading today is selected from 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4. And if you can and will, please stand for the reading of the word. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that's reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on what is not seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. in the most celebrity-obsessed culture that has ever existed in human history. Millions of people follow the daily twists and turns of their favorite film and television actors, professional athletes, politicians, reality show stars, musicians. According to the New York Times, the celebrity gossip industry is a $3 billion a year industry. $3 billion. And this celebrity culture has fueled our own desire for fame. Back in 1968, the artist Andy Warhol predicted that a time would come when everyone would have their own 15 minutes of fame. Well, in the modern age, with things like the 24-hour news cycle and YouTube and social media, it's actually made that a possibility. I read a survey from a teen magazine that found that half of 18 to 25-year-olds believe that they will be famous one day. I suppose our, our desire for fame is part of the universal human condition. But I think our celebrity-driven culture has simply fed its steroids. 
I know of people who base their daily self-worth on how many likes they get on a social media post or how many followers they have on Twitter. In the midst of a celebrity culture, what does it mean for us to say, to God alone be the glory? What do we make of the fact that classical composers like Bach and Handel would write the initials SDG, Latin for sola deo gloria, to God alone be the glory at the end of each of their musical compositions? What do we mean as a congregation when we say that one of Lake Avenue Church's four core values is to be a God-glorifying community? How do we do that in a celebrity culture? Today we finish a five-week series through the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. Tuesday, October 31st, marks the 500th anniversary of the beginning of this movement that began with Martin Luther in Germany and spread throughout Europe in the 16th century. And in week one of our series, Pastor Chuck Hunt helped us think about the role of Scripture as he talked about sola scriptura. Then in week two, I talked about sola fide, faith alone, as we talked about faith as being the only basis for being made right with God. And then the last two weeks, our senior pastor, Pastor Greg, has helped us think about sola gratia, grace alone, and sola Christus, Christ alone. These first four solas are God's gift to us. Scripture is God's gift. Faith is God's gift. Grace, by definition, is God's gift. Christ is God's gift. We contribute nothing to deserve these gifts. We are merely the grateful recipients of these gracious gifts from God. Therefore, it is natural, it is reasonable, it makes all the sense in the world that the final sola would be that God alone deserves the glory for giving us these wonderful gifts. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to live for the glory of God alone. And we're look, going to look from our reading today at four very specific ways that we as individuals and that we as a congregation can live for the glory of God alone. But first, what are we talking about? What is glory? If you look up the word in an English dictionary, you'll find words like brightness, splendor, fame, reputation. The Hebrew word for glory in the Bible comes from a Hebrew noun for heavy. And some people speculate that in the ancient world, the more honored and famous and status a person had, the more ornamentation that person would wear. You might think of it as the ancient equivalent to bling. And so glory was being weighted down with the accoutrements of honor and status. And in the Old Testament, no one deserves more glory than God. When the prophet Isaiah was in the temple and he had a vision of the presence of God, he heard the angels saying, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with God's glory. 
The Greek word in the Bible translated glory is the word doxa, which is where we get our word doxology from. And it can refer to brightness or radiance, something that's awe-inspiring, praise or greatness. This is the word that the angels used at the birth of Jesus when they said glory to God in the highest. You might think of God's glory as God's greatness made visible. God's glory is like a spotlight. When a spotlight shines, we see whatever's in the spotlight with greater clarity. And God is glorified when we shine the spotlight on God in a way that others appreciate God's beauty, God's greatness, God's wonder. But the truth is, we like the spotlight too. And this has never been more true than it is today in our celebrity culture. We yearn for people to see us, to appreciate us. And the Christian life is sometimes a battle, a battle over who's gonna be in the spotlight. Living for God's glory at its essence means that my life is not about me and about what I want but that my life is about God and what God wants. Living for God's glory means stepping out of the spotlight and learning to live my life with God in the spotlight. And in our world of celebrity culture and selfies and YouTube, this is one of the most countercultural ways a person can choose to live. And it brings us to the question of how, and we could do an entire sermon series on how to glorify God, but I want to look at just four ways from our reading out of 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4 today. How can we live for the glory of God alone? The first way that we find in our reading is by participating in our own spiritual transformation. Participating in our transformation the 16th century, century reformers focused a lot on how we establish a relationship with God. They reminded us that we come to know God by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. But once that relationship with God begins, it's the beginning of a journey, a journey of lifelong spiritual transformation. In our reading from chapter 3, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians, pictures this journey as contemplating Jesus. The Greek word Paul uses in verse 18, to contemplate, means to gaze intently at something, like looking into a mirror. And so Paul is using the word picture of gazing into a mirror to picture this lifelong journey of transformation. Jesus is the object of our contemplation. He is the one we gaze at. But because Jesus isn't physically among us right now, we encounter and see Jesus in the pages of Scripture. And so we look to the Bible as if we're looking intently into a mirror to behold Jesus. Last Sunday, Pastor Greg reminded us out of Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, 
that Jesus is God himself. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. But Jesus is also the image of true humanity. Jesus is the glory of what God intended human beings to be. He is the glory of God and the glory of humanity, fully God and fully human, joined together, two natures in one person. And when we contemplate Jesus, we not only see what God is like, we see what God is calling us to be like. And as we look, we are changed. This is why the four biographies of Jesus in the Bible are so important Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, show us Jesus, how he treated people, what he taught about how to live, how he responded to those who wronged him, how he interacted with those who opposed him, how he spoke and acted against injustice, how he took risks to show compassion. And gazing at Jesus through the pages of the Gospels, we find ourselves becoming like him. And friends, this is a lifelong journey. That's why he calls it, he says, from glory to glory or ever increasing glory. The longer I'm following Jesus, the more I see in him in the pages of Scripture that I've never seen before. But sometimes we get stuck in this journey of transformation. And when we get stuck, it's easy to become embarrassed that we're not further along the journey. And when that happens, we are tempted to create an image that make us appear to be further along the journey than we truly are. And before we know it, all of our energy and our time and our efforts are going into maintaining this image instead of this journey. And it's exhausting. We feel like frauds. And friends, this is an epidemic in the church today. When we live that way, we are living in the spotlight. We step out of the spotlight when we admit to ourselves and we admit to God and we admit to each other that we still have a long way to go in this journey. We step out of the spotlight when we accept that where we are in this journey is where we are, for better or for worse. We can't be anywhere other than where we are. And we stop pretending and begin to press forward in this journey of transformation. That puts God back in the spotlight where he belongs. In addition to participating in our own transformation in this section, we see that living for God's glory means humbly sharing the gospel with other people. Humbly sharing the gospel. In the first part of chapter four, Paul begins to distance himself from people who use dubious and deceptive methods to promote themselves when they talk about Jesus. People in Paul's day and sometimes people in our own day proclaim Jesus in a way that shines the spotlight on themselves. And stepping out of the spotlight means proclaiming Jesus as Lord and ourselves as servants of his. 
And if you study 2 Corinthians in depth, you discover that Paul throughout this letter is warning the Corinthian Christians about a group of people within their own church who are promoting themselves as super Christians. And these super Christians were very good at what they did. They used eloquent words that grabbed the heart. They made misleading promises to, to get people to follow their own particular version of the faith. They talked about Jesus a lot, but they talked about themselves even more. They loved the spotlight. And Paul refuses to play their game he won't even try to compete. In fact, if anything, later in 2 Corinthians, Paul begins to brag about his weaknesses and his insufficiencies because these things shine the spotlight on Jesus all the more. Instead of putting himself in the spotlight, the apostle Paul sets forth the truth of Jesus plainly in simple, understandable ways. He renounces secret and shameful ways because Paul is contrasting humbly sharing the gospel with arrogantly trying to manipulate people. See, when we treat the gospel like internet clickbait, do you know what that is? It's, it's an article that makes sensationalized claims that, that tries to get us just to click and read the story. When we treat the gospel that way, we are putting ourselves in the spotlight. When we promise that following Jesus will fix all your relationships and solve all of your problems and heal all of your hurts, we are putting ourselves in the spotlight. We step out of the spotlight when we share the message with humility. We step out of the spotlight when we trust that the gospel doesn't need us to make it more powerful. We step out of the spotlight when we honestly tell people following Jesus may turn your life upside down, but that it's worth it to be in a relationship with the living God, humbly sharing the message instead of arrogantly manipulating people. A third way we see in this is that we, we glorify God or live for God's glory by worshiping God with the rest of God's people. In verse 15, Paul pictures this grace that has come to the, the Christians in Corinth as increasing and creating a thanksgiving that overflows to the glory of God. One of the Bible's words for communion is the word Eucharist, which is the Greek word Paul uses here in verse 15 for thanksgiving or gratitude. When the early Christians gathered and shared that meal that we, we celebrate once a month, they did it as a way of thanking God. They lifted up their voices. They gave their offerings. They gave their music and their prayers as a sacrifice of praise, as, a, as an act of gratitude to God. They saw their worship as overflowing in thanksgiving to the glory of God. But sometimes today, we look at our worship gatherings differently than they did. Sometimes we let our own personal tastes and preferences dictate how we evaluate our worship gatherings. We equate liking a song or liking a worship style with experiencing God in that song or that style. We become connoisseurs of sermons, like, like a wine expert that's evaluating each tone, each turn of a phrase. The, the, the sermon was interesting on the front end. It had depth in the middle, but was a little bit disappointing on the finish, we might say. 
Our culture has shaped us into consumers of worship instead of worshipers. And when we do that, we put the spotlight on ourselves because we turn worship into something that's about us, our likes and preferences, our favorite pastor, our favorite preacher. Living for God's glory means stepping out of the spotlight and approaching our worship is first and foremost about God. And when we gather, living for God's glory means all of us stepping out of the spotlight and together shining it on God. And God is glorified when who God is and what God has done becomes the focal point of our gatherings for worship. Finally, in this section, we see that living for God's glory means orienting our perspective with hope. Orienting our perspective with hope. Paul says that because of these things, in verses 16 through 18, we don't lose heart. We don't give in to hopelessness. We don't despair. It's true that outwardly we are wasting away. There is no shortcut around our own mortality, no matter what any commercial may tell us. We try to avoid thinking about it. Our, our, cultural, our culture diverts our attention from it by idolizing youth and vitality. But friends, unless Jesus comes again in our lifetime, all of us will die one day. Our bodies are succumbing to its mortality, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. I like the way a New Testament scholar, Linda Bellevue, puts it. She says, the outward person involves more than the body, she says. It is the progressive weakening of our natural faculties, our emotional vitality, our physical stamina. And the longer we're alive, the more we ourselves experience it. And yes, we pray for healing, and yes, sometimes healing comes, but any healing that we experience in this life, friends, is partial and temporary because there is no shortcut around our own mortality. But at the very same time, the good news is we are being renewed inwardly day by day. I love the word that Paul uses here. It means to make something new again. And I picture this piece of furniture that's become damaged that a master craftsman begins to devote her attention to, to reshape it and reform it, to restore it to its original image. We were made and intended in the image of God, and that image has been marred and twisted by sin. But in his grace, God is working in our lives day by day to restore and remake that image. In her book on the spirituality of aging, author Joan Chittister says that, that often it's as the physical dimension of life diminishes that the spiritual dimension of life begins to increase. And Paul calls these, these difficulties and troubles that we face through our own mortality light and momentary troubles. Let's be honest. They don't feel light or momentary. The troubles that we experience in this life feel heavy, sometimes unending. Troubles like unemployment, divorce, losing children or grandchildren, being the victim of injustice, chronic illness, 
broken relationships. These things feel heavy. They feel like they, they last for a lifetime sometimes. But I think what Paul is trying to tell us here is that what feels heavy and unending now, in retrospect, will look light and momentary in light of the glory of what God is producing in us and through us. When my second son was in high school, he marched trumpet all four years in high school. And marching band at his particular high school was a big deal. They were one of the top marching bands in Southern California. So by far, being in marching band for, for my son was the hardest thing that he had ever done at that point in his life. And so when his senior year came, he told me, Dad, he said, I think marching band is probably harder than your job is. <laughs> Halfway through his senior year, he turned 18 and he enlisted in the military. And he said, Dad, I think marching band is probably, probably harder than boot camp will be. <laughs> well, as every parent of young adults knows to do from time to time, I bit my lip and reminded himself that it was all about his perspective. Up to that point in his life, marching band was the hardest thing he had ever done. Of course, boot camp would be harder, as he found six months later. We can only evaluate the difficulty of things from the perspective of our frame of reference that we have in the moment. And from our present frame of reference, the troubles that we face often feel heavy and unending. But Paul urges us here to fix our vision on the promises of God, on the reality of God. All that we see with our eyes is temporary but what's unseen is eternal. And when we allow our visible perspective to crush us, as we all do from time to time, ironically, we are putting ourselves into the spotlight again because we are allowing what we can see in that alone to define reality for us. In the words of that great theologian Bono, we get stuck in a moment we can't get out of. But we step out of the spotlight when we admit that our perspective is limited. When we intentionally look beyond what we see and choose hope, even though nothing that we can see is giving us any reason for hope. And that reoriented perspective puts God back in the spotlight where God belongs. There's so much more that we could say about bringing glory to God alone, but at its essence, it means that life is not about me. It's about God and if we truly believe that one of our four core values at Lake Avenue Church is to be a God-glorifying community, I'm just going to say it. Lake Avenue Church, life is not about us and what we want. It's about God and what God wants. We step out of the spotlight by participating in our own transformation rather than putting on a false image by humbly sharing the gospel with people instead of arrogantly trying to manipulate them, by worshiping with God's people instead of being consumers of worship, and by orienting our perspective with hope even when it feels like despair. And the irony is that putting God in the spotlight actually contributes to our own flourishing. I love this quote from a second century author named Irenaeus. 
Irenaeus says, the glory of God is humanity fully alive. In other words, when God is glorified with our lives, we flourish. We begin to live as God intended humanity to live. And so we celebrate this weekend the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And although the reformers were not perfect and they had blind spots, they helped the church rediscover these five truths. Women and men like Martin Luther and Catherine von Bora, John Calvin, William Tyndale, Jane Grey, Ulrich Zwingli, helped us rediscover the Bible alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. And as we celebrate these wonderful gifts that are given by grace, how can we do anything other than say we will live for the glory of God alone? Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks and praise for these words from the Apostle Paul because they speak to us even today. And Lord, it is our desire that we as individuals and we as a congregation would live with you in the spotlight. Forgive us for the ways that we have stepped into the spotlight and eclipsed people's view of you. Lord, help us truly live to the glory of God alone. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.